if LeBron James is the greatest of all time, shouldn't he be able to win at least one game without AD against the Phoenix Suns? Hell, win a half. Win a half at Staples Center without AD, despite being up. Yo, I'm not. You know what? You know what? You know what? NBA, this is what happens when you give a fucking Lakers fan LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. All right? He wins you a championship, and then this is what happens. You chill, get this rant. You're right. being too honest. Did you watch the game last night? Mike check one, two, one, two. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Laced Up Podcast. I'm Flight Mike here with... Flight Mike. Mike Rosemba. <laughs> and uh, all right, guys. So um, did you happen to... I, I think the only basketball game we had yesterday was the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. So did you guys happen to catch Damian Lillard's 55-point masterpiece yeah we're not gonna let you off that easy we are definitely gonna be talking about your boys the lakers you know my lakers I mean, played last least, night at least you got at least you got a team but to be embarrassed on a national stage like that's kind of tough uh yeah let's talk some dame though first and foremost because i feel like you know everything lakers related it's like that is always emphasized damian lillard put up 55 points and 10 assists last night in a double overtime loss to a team that is missing their near all-star level point guard in Jamal Murray. Like, how do we feel about this? Because the Blazers aren't really missing anyone. Uh, I I think Dame uh, I think Damian Lillard is one of the biggest tragedies in. I'm, I hope I'm not sounding too melodramatic, but he's a huge tragedy in the NBA. Because, first of all, I love how he's old school. I love how he feels loyal to Portland. I love how he calls Rip City his own. But at the same time, I feel like I'm watching one of the best point guards in league history just fizzle away on a team that just isn't capable of giving him the support that he deserves. And I'm not saying CJ McCollum's terrible. I'm not saying Joseph uh, Yusuf Nurkic is uh, terrible. I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony's terrible. But when you see the level of competition this guy has to go up against, it just makes you wonder what if he had a supporting cast that like LeBron gets, or what if he was in a system or any similar to the, yeah, like similar I'll say to, I'll go and say like it feels like Dame throughout his career has always been overmatched, like you know. Russell Westbrook walks in as a point guard. He's got James Harden and Kevin Durant. Derrick Rose, young point guard, goes into a situation, wins the MVP, of course, you know, not taking anything away from my boy D Rose, who I hope we talk about in a little bit as well, but goes in, he's got Joachim Noah. He had Carlos Boozer, he had Lou Alding. He had a bunch of vets and just very solid players. Joachim Noah was first team all NBA a year or two after Derrick Rose's MVP season. So you got guys like that, you got Steph Curry, who's got Clay, Draymond his entire career. You know, like top point guard, you got Kyrie with LeBron. You know, top point guards around the NBA have been surrounded by championship talent time and time again, and they've all gotten their chance. Like you can't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna make this a Russell Westbrook hating podcast, but you can't sit there and be like, Russell Westbrook never had enough talent ever to win the championship. You can't say the same thing about Chris Paul who, you know, I love Chris Paul, great point guard, but he had a bunch of talent. Have the Blazers ever had enough talent? Like ever? Because CJ McCollum is has never made an all-star team. Let's be honest here. Like, you know, CJ, he has his games. He's a good player. He's a great player, like in for what he does. He's not an all-star. He's not even a single time all-star. So 
Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's tough with Dame's career. Like, it's the classic scenario of what if you were drafted to a different team? What if your career played out a different way? GLC, what do you think, bro? By the way, digging the shirt today, Coop, really liking it. Um, what do you think about Ooh. the situation? Yeah, this is my little microphone shirt. You know, I only pull it out on uh, special occasions. You know, I deem today one of those occasions. But with Damian Lillard, with it's just a little frustrating because it's like he's been loyal to a fault. And like, I think it's awesome to applaud players in this day and age for staying with their teams and all that. Like, uh, like Mike said, but. To co-sign Mike Korzimba, I mean, like, yeah, CJ is probably the best player that Dame has ever played with. Now, one thing that really frustrates me with the Blazers is we've seen the Blazers, uh, we haven't seen the Blazers, like, go out and really go as hard as they can to try to acquire another star. Say what you want about Daryl Morey and, and the Harden era and the Houston Rockets, but hey, it didn't work out. They had, they had a good shot. They had stars. They had players. Um, they switched things up a ton of times. And they lost all their picks in the process. That's something that I would have loved to see with Damian Lillard. How many years can CJ be your best player? And you look at the same results season after season after season. Yeah, and bear in mind, like, Maury did that in Houston despite having a super cheap owner that, like, really didn't want to sniff luxury tax. So, like, he somehow pulled it off by being, like, a guy that hardcore embraced analytics. And something to add on to what Coop says, it's really interesting to me because, you know, I started watching the NBA in the early 2000s. And it seems to me that the Portland Trailblazers as a franchise historically have always just been here, like on the fringe of contention, like a team that consistently makes it to the playoffs or almost has it figured out, almost has that championship core, but something happens and it doesn't work out. You go back to the LaMarcus Aldridge, Greg Oden and Brandon Roy era, then even a little, even a little bit before with the Portland Jailblazers, is that what they called them? Like, yeah, it's... It's insane. Yeah, um, looking, their last trip to the finals was in 1992 with, um, you know, Clyde, Clyde Drexler throwing uh, to the people that are watching on YouTube, the little, little shrug, you know, Mike ate him up. Pause. But, um, <laughs> but last, uh, last finals appearance in 1992. Since then, they've made the Western Conference Finals twice, I think, yeah, in 2000 and 1999. They made it recently, you know, where they got taken down by the Warriors. I mean, they were, that was their, I guess, their best playoff run in quite some time, I guess, well, since 2000. A lot of franchises would love to have this franchise history, I will say. Like, if you were a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, if you, like, you're, if you're a Kings fan, like you're loving being what the, like you'd much rather have this than just consistently be bad. But I know what you guys are saying in terms of like, no one, it, yeah, did they just fail and never take a risk? Because at this point, I mean, you get bounced in the first round. Like Dame, you're loyal, man, but I, I want you to leave at this point. Like as someone who's like, yes, I love loyalty, Go to a team that is going to contend. Yeah, bro. I think just NBA fans in general, like we want to see Dame 
you know, do something different. I mean, look, hey, we got on, I know a lot of people got on Giannis for staying, but the Bucks got so much better. Like at this day and age, I don't think it's crazy to say that Drew Holiday, who's probably the Bucks' third best player, I'd make an argument for second, but Drew Holiday would easily be the best player that Dame has ever played with, in my opinion. And that's just, that's kind of crazy to say. I mean, okay. Uh, well, we're also forgetting um, keep in mind, Dame did play with Mark Aldridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely forgot about. I definitely forgot about Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah. He, How many years he, did they play together? Two, like two. Like two years. Yeah. Yeah. At least three. Uh, here, three years. Three years. So here's where my head's at, because you know I'm a fan of the NFL as well, and I feel like there is a way to solve this issue because I think on one hand I don't like how teams go out like how players go out and form these super teams even though like the Lakers kind of benefited from it sort of but I don't as much as I don't like it I don't blame the players for doing so because it's the only way to succeed in today's NBA in today's NBA and the one way, obviously you can't uh, compare football to basketball as a sport, but the one way that I think that could potentially be controlled, and this is going to make free agency significantly more boring, is if the NBA integrated some sort of franchise tag. No. No, yeah. It would be, it'd be horrible. Pay the players. No. Freaking no, franchise yeah. tagging. I don't want to go too far and say some crazy shit, but it seems like freaking, it just does not seem fair. That's what I'll say. You know, it's just, it's literally agreed. It's insane that you could just do that. So like, I, you know, I think the NBA is very progressive and very, um, I think that's the league you want to look at compared to the NFL in terms of contracts. You know, the NBA, their players get paid and they get guaranteed money and they make it, you know, NFL contracts where how crazy is it? I mean, this is a side note, but how crazy is it? How dangerous the NFL is? how like you take a pounding on your brain and everything and because it's so dangerous even though it's a money-making machine they won't guarantee your contract even though that's the nature of the sport is that it's dangerous well i think like there's nothing against like them fully guaranteeing your contract you could get a fully guaranteed contract if i'm just saying a lot of guys don't yeah a lot of guys don't and i'm not necessarily saying that's their fault but if they if they really like want it, if you're like good enough and you really wanted a fully guaranteed contract, I think you'd be able to find a team willing to give it to you. And I'm, again, I'm talking about like high end talent. I think the structure is really unfortunate too, like you said. But uh, I think the culture, like, I'll agree with you, with the high end talent, but I think the culture around um, talent that maybe isn't elite of the elite, and you even see elite of the elite get franchise tagged and get stuck in situations that they don't want to be in in certain positions. But Around the league, I mean, Mike, you know football way more than me, but around the league, it seems like, you know, a lot of non-guaranteed contracts that people miss out on money for. And like the NBA, it's not like that. NBA, high level, high action, high level physicality sport. Those guys are still making their money. Freaking Chandler Parsons made every cent of his until whatever happened, you know, and Chandler Parsons <laughs> didn't deserve that at all. But, you know, he got paid. Well, well, it's the NFL does thing. have... The NFL does have Chandler Parsons like stories. Like for yeah. the NFL, the Chandler, the equivalent of Chandler Parsons is Sam Bradford, you know, a player that consistently got injured. But I think at the end of his career, if I'm not wrong, I'm just saying this off the top of my head, he made something like, I think, $150 million, um, something like that. And he played 
Did he get was all his guaranteed? Um, Man, so, some his signing bonuses were. Um, I think with in money is just so weird. It's like you're taking the risk of a player. Like I mean, like again, well, like I think this, it's just a change in culture. I think it's like the NFL that is accepted. That's what they've always done. And the NBA, well, what they've like they they make guaranteed money, so that's why it's stays as it is. You know, like. Same t- uh, at the same time, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was gonna, um, I was just gonna say, like the NFL is a dangerous ass sport. It is football so dangerous. I just personally, I just don't like the fact that the players get penalized for playing such a dangerous sport. When no matter what, the owners are making their money. No matter what, TV companies are making their money. Like the the only play, the only people that are getting hurt are the players. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of, you know, I don't like the not guaranteed money. Yeah. Especially with it, that becoming a widespread thing. Well, so I definitely um, say no to a franchise. Well, I would love like the player or wait, wait, wait. Well, I would love like the owners and like the league to show more initiative and like, you know, guarantee their contracts. I think it starts with the players. And I think, unfortunately, like there's going to have to be like another lockout or something big is going to have to happen where everybody bonds yeah. together. And it is like, you know, because there's not. What's up? I was just, the there's CD, ways to get around this. this. Like you could. Yeah. Still yeah. Pay I mean, the there, guy there, there been without him but... being on your cap, too. You know, like there's like creative solutions to this that are just not like, OK, like, sure. If you're play, like football, people do get more injured. Sure. Okay, still pay the guy, like, but you know, have a hardship waiver. Um, and to add on to what you were saying, Coop, sorry that we cut you off. Uh, the CBA expired this past year, um, like about a year ago. And in my opinion, like I'm an NFL fan, I would love there to be no lockout. But when I saw what they agreed upon, it was the most pitiful negotiation I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the players, who's got their guy? Like. Um, I don't know who their guy is. I think Richard Sherman was doing it. Um, let me see NFLPA president. Currently. That lockout. I mean oh. that 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 the CBA stuff. That's always like so shady to me because like are the big players' interests going to be the same as like the smaller players' interests? No, nah, like, we saw like, Chris Paul do something that it benefited himself. Yeah, a like, little exactly. Bit. Like I, I mean, I I'm not saying Chris Paul didn't do a good job, but like yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know what you're saying though, and it's like. I, they, ideally, they, you want a leader that has everybody's interest at hand, but like, I don't know if that's like a possibility. It is interesting. Like, it's definitely interesting. Not, I mean, you have to think that they're also getting heavy counsel from like some lawyer, right? Like, like I don't think Chris Paul's just sitting down with the owner. They have to. They have to be. These these are yeah. like freaking numbers that are above any of our pay grades freaking wait but i don't know i don't know if sherman did i don't know if sherman did i don't know i mean yeah i mean we'll see what Sherman. i don't know i don't know about that whatever i have no sherman negotiation i'm assuming chris paul has like a lawyer that like you know specializes went to school knows everything about what's going on in the salary cap because the salary cap if you look at it it's mad complicated so so sherman uh for the nflpa it was jc treader and demory smith but i know richard sherman had a huge hand in it i know richard sherman um he's notorious for not having an agent because he wants to be a general manager eventually so he negotiates his own deals um which was a bad was one a, his last one was a bad one it, it worked out but it was a bad deal yes and if it was up to me if i was playing in the nfl 
I probably would want a guy that's like a journeyman quarterback or like a middle to low tier quarterback. That, I wouldn't want a quarterback. I wouldn't want a quarterback. I mean, a player that like went to Harvard. I wouldn't want I'm pretty much saying I would want Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Harvard man. I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick there. <sighs> okay, I, I think we're getting way the too much into the people NFL that get talks. screwed. I feel like in these things are like the top <laughs> cornerbacks in the league. Like they end up getting franchise tagged. They don't make the money they should be. Whatever. Regardless, you know what? Let's switch it up. You're right. Let's switch it up. Yeah. Um, I do want to make a little distinction that popped into my head. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that there's a difference between, you know, forming a super team? Because we hear a lot about super teams, right? A difference between forming a super team or just signing one guy going and signing with a team. Because let's say Damian Lillard goes and signs, I don't know, let's say Lakers. Let's, let's just say. Or he goes to a team like that. You know, that is a very yeah. different thing, in my opinion, than what the Miami Heat did. They all left together and joined together and created a super team. They formed one. Like the Brooklyn Nets, they that's a little bit different, I think, in my head. You know, different. they were practicing together. They forced that trade. James Harden, it worked out. I mean, I feel like we're going to look back at that trade. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what, how we'll look back at it because of all the picks they have. We're, but we're already, it's still we're crazy. already laughing at it. We're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, looking back at it, James Harden walked into this season and he went, I want to only play for the Brooklyn Nets. That's all I want to play for. And they're like, you have no leverage. What are you talking about? You still have a year left on your, like two years left on your contract. You can't do this. And then he ended up there. That is insane. So I feel like, what do you guys think in terms of like forming a super team? Because... In my opinion, you know, if you kind of do that, at this point, the NBA has gotten to a level where I'm like, do whatever you want, put out the best product on the floor. Like, <laughs> I think like loyalty, I love it, of course. Especially to like, my I want my views team, to go up. You know? Just put the best product on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like there are levels to this. Do you agree? Where it's like, yeah, there's the creation of the super team, or there's like the Damian Lillard type star who it's not working out for him. And then he just goes, he joins a team and like takes them to that next level. Um, Wait, I'm not sure I understand the question. Are you asking? I'm talking like about a better? lot of people hate on super teams, uh, all right? A lot so you're of asking what's better. And they hate on the culture of like this super team thing. I'm not saying what's better. I'm saying, I think there's a distinction. I think that like forming a super team, doing something what LeBron did, forming a big three, kind of forming what happened in Brooklyn. I think those things are different than just a so, guy leaving his team and signing with another one. So with your rationale, the 2008 Boston Celtics weren't a super team because both Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett were traded for. They're a big three. Their formation. Okay. All right. Their formation okay. was their form. No, I would. Yes, I agree with that. Their formation was their Danny Ainge cre created that team. He made trades to make that team. He had assets in place that created that team. That's a different thing to me. I think people hate in the media like too much on like these super teams and this is ruining the NBA and stuff. Yeah, like I think that Paul Pierce and Kevin Gar I mean Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen trades are the perfect example of the opposite. Like you had a star in Paul Pierce and you were able to go and get two other stars of Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and you built a team. Boom. Like I don't, I don't think like you you see that those big 3 though, they get grouped right back in. You see the original big 3 were the Lakers. Like people will be like freaking James Worthy, Kareem, Magic. Like, and then you see like, you know, big three Celtics. I just think like what LeBron did in Miami is a lot different. And I don't think it should be grouped in as much as it gets grouped in. GLC, what do you think? I was just going to say when it comes to super teams, 
I don't know. I'm kind of like on both sides of it. Like right now, the NBA's fire, and they're I, like, all right, so we're calling the Brooklyn Nets a super team, right? Yeah, you have, I mean, they've got free Blake Griffin off the bench as a super and, team. Uh, yeah. And, all right, so we're calling the Brooklyn Nets a super team. Well, like, there's no promise that the Nets are going to win the championship right now. Like, they're they're a super team, but they're a team that you know comes with its with its own flaws. I when I think like super, I mean, we got to call them a super team. But when I think super team, is it fair to call like the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors a super team? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Right. So they're, they're like yeah. the okay, definition. I'm just checking. I'm just like, checking the temperature. I'm just checking like, the temperature. My bad. My bad. Well, I think what you're just thinking, doing right now is you're talking pre pre how we see they them perform and post like regardless yeah. the Brooklyn Nets are a super team at this point I, will they live up to that like title of a super team we'll see but I mean when you put this much talent with this much this many accolades with you know with surrounded by a cast freaking the fact that the Brooklyn Nets still have Joe Harris is just mind-blowing I mean but, yeah, it's crazy it's crazy um well run so team. I'd say they're a super team yeah I mean maybe if you wanted to we could give them a label like a super team in waiting yeah, like, yeah. You know, until we'll you earn it. See. So when it when it comes to like the super teams, like I'm on both sides. Like, I like is it good for basketball? Yeah. Uh, does it suck sometimes as a fan? Also, yeah. Like uh, the Miami Heat, the Heatles gave me like some of the best basketball I ever watched. Right. The same with the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant. Like that was some of the most exciting stuff ever. Um, like say what you want about them. I had fun. I I, I didn't miss a game. But as like a general NBA fan, like if your if your team's competing, like you're gonna be like, oh yeah, well this this sucks, like you know. Yeah. Like when are we? Like when are the Bulls gonna be? Yeah. Well, as when's good it as our the turn Nets right now? Yeah. Like it's like it seems crazy. Like are you a Sacramento Kings fan? Like how do we turn this into that? Like it just seems yeah, right. outrageous. If you're if you're following players, like yeah, you're you're probably all in on the super team stuff. But like if you're a fan of hmm, like an NBA true. team, like it's a little rougher. I really should just be a fan of a fan of players. Like they really got the system figured out. Like, but I won't be Chicago Bulls till I die, baby. Well, you can make you can make glory years behind us. You can make legitimate arguments and call some of these other teams that like were a trade away from contention, like your definition of a big three. Like for example, Phoenix Suns are CP3, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker a big three. They have a, they have a great supporting cast around them as well. They have Jay Crowder, Campaign, a great coach in Monty Williams. Or how about teams that were supposed to be a big three, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. See, this is where we're getting too far. Big three. No, I'm not calling them big. a super team. No, no, I'm saying big You're trying to call them a super team? I mean, every te- every team has three best players. DeAndre Aiden's no. not an All Star this year, <laughs> no, and Chris Paul is thirty five. No, 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 it's not my turn. My turn. Lonzo gonna... Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion. That's what I'm saying. No, like, I'm you not, can name every yeah, team's like, three best players. Yeah. No, I'm saying like, at what point do you call these player? Uh, do you call this team a big three? At what point when they win a championship? When they become a top three seed? Because there's a lot of these moves that are made that are kind of similar to what the Boston Celtics did when they added Kevin Garnett, Maybe who when was three a 12 year vet. All right, three all stars, fair, very I think, fair. I think I'll say, be, I'd say I even maybe a little bit further. I'd say you three all stars with maybe one transcendent talent. Yeah, least, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll agree all on that. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can still call because it like Devin Booker is not. All-stars. Is Devin Booker going to even make second team All NBA this year? Because he never has, so that means he's never been ranked as a top ten player in the NBA. And DeAndre Ayton again. I've loved DeAndre in this DeAndre playoffs. Ayton's like, never been an all star though. But he's never been an all star. Exactly. So it's like you can't call that a big three. Like. 
And like, it also is relevant in terms of like, okay, Milwaukee Bucks, like you've got Giannis and then Chris Milton and Drew Holiday, you know, they've both been all-stars and have been in that conversation like several years, but they're not. That's that's they're, getting they're like a little level. Tick, ticky tacky, like you know, like you, yeah, you could exactly. Call that a big three, but I mean, but yeah, it's not. Like, it's, it's not splitting hairs. Yeah, I, I think you know you what I'll hit. say. I'll say I feel like a big three, like an, a legitimate big three, is like you can't put a definition on it, but you know it when you see it. That's what I'll just say. I think I think you actually too hard. hit. I, I think you just hit it on the head, Corzan, but when you said a transcendent talent with two all-stars, because I remember the reason why the Golden State Warriors pissed me off so much is you had Steph Curry, who was a transcendent talent, Klay Thompson, who was a really good all-star that is like on the line of transcendent talent. And then you had Kevin uh, Kevin Durant, who is probably like the biggest matchup nightmare in NBA history. Yeah. So like, I... So I think that definition, uh, when a transcendent talent is teaming up with two all stars, that's a super team. Um, but well, prime Golden State Warriors, like they have like people legitimately rank them like without blinking as the as the top three team ever. So well, yeah, I mean, they're like you, you got Kevin Durant, or... Steph, Clay, yeah, and Draymond. Like that is insane. They they kind of go beyond a super team. I don't even know what you call them, but. Like, they're nuts. They changed the game of basketball. Yeah, I agree with you. Speaking of super teams, I wanted to talk to you guys about the father of at least the first big three that I saw when I was watching basketball, because I know big threes existed prior to this. But Danny Ainge stepped down as president of basketball operations, and we saw something that I don't think I've ever seen before. Correct me if I'm wrong, but have we ever seen a head coach say, hey, I'm done being the head coach of this team. I want to be in the front office role instead because that's what Brad um, Stevens is doing. Well, no. Doc, right? Like, but he No, did no, both. not instead. He did both. Oh, he I'm not both. saying both. Yeah. Um, Stan Van Gundy I did I think both. Larry Bird did the opposite. Yeah, yeah. There's, some, there's somebody that stepped into the front office that I can't Larry Bird went right front now. office to head coach. It actually is a crazy story. I, like, recently read. Like, Larry Bird, remember in the last dance when – uh, Michael Jordan walks up to Larry Bird and he's like, fuck you, you bitch. Like, it's like 1998. Larry Bird's well retired. Um, the reason, like, he said that was, one, Michael Jordan had never, like, actually beat Larry Bird in anything, like, playoff-wise. Be it what you want. You know, Larry's, his prime ended a little early. Mike maybe never got a chance. Like, he ended up having to play the Pistons instead of probably some Celtics teams. So, we missed out on some cool matchups there. But, regardless, um... Larry, what's crazy, this crazy story, he had, he was in the front office, he had never coached before in the Indian Pacers in his life, and he was like, I'm going to coach for three seasons, three, three seasons only, and he brought them in the three seasons to an Eastern Conference Finals and an NBA Finals he brought the Pacers to, and he just dipped out, he was done. So what about Pat Riley? No, no comment on my story? No, I was thinking because then he did go to the front office role. Uh, he went to he went to the Pacers front office, and I think he's still there today. Yeah, he came he came from the front office too. Well, I, I don't know if Pat Riley was the GM. He he was the head coach, and well, then he wait. became. So no, Pat so, Riley went head coach. Yeah, he did that. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Pat Riley, you're right. Who shout out Pat Riley's name? Coop. Yo. Yeah. It was, it was you. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Pat Riley. 
won, did win a championship with the Heat in 2006, and then yes, yep, then he never went forget it. This. You know who was coaching um, the, the the team to start the season? SVG. Stan Van Fucking Gundy. That, that was the dirtiest thing that's I think I've ever seen happen to a head coach. Bro, ever. they were like 10 and 11, bro. That was a championship team, and they were so media. Medi I'm not gonna say bad, mediocre under Van Gundy. And How do these Riley guys was, keep getting these chances? No, that's like, what I said. That's what I said. That's what I said. I got torn yo, apart by uh, I think on Twitter Stephen A. By walked Pelicans off beat the screen today. Walked, walked who off the screen? I think Stephen A. Smith walked off the screen today from anger of, I, if I saw correctly, I was kind of watching on the corner of my eye, but I think he is just so angry at the lack of opportunities that like black men are getting in head coaching roles or in front office roles. And he's like saying, why the, he's saying, why are you hiring the same guy over and over again? Like Jason Kidd emerges as the number one head coach for the Boston Celtics. It's like, what, why? All right. To be fair, Jason Kidd's black, but yeah. But I'm, well, okay, like okay. That. Those those are two separate separate uh, discussions. Two separate yes. thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they, like, they, they accidentally com they accidentally com combined. But yes. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. I think the the conversation. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. The conversation with Stephen A. escalated to a point where he just literally walked off the screen, and I've never seen him walk off the screen. Walked off the screen. That was out of anger of lack of black men in um, front office roles. Uh, which I agree with on that, but also I agree with why do you keep giving the same coaches the same opportunities when they're proving that they're... I actually have some perspective on that too. I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike, but uh, the, I, I got in an argument with the Pelicans beat writer over um, the hiring of Stan Van Gundy. They didn't like me saying like, hey, like new guys should get, or uh, yeah, guys should, more guys should get opportunities and it shouldn't be the same old people. They got kind of mad at that, kind of defended Stan Van Gundy, but I understand why they defend um, the coaches because, you know, uh, they get special perks and media passes and all that crap from them, so whatever. But they basically came at me and they said, well, a lot of these GMs, they get maybe one or two opportunities to fail or to be successful. So if you hire a new guy, and that new guy fizzles out well it's like oh wow this was this was miserable whereas if you hire some of these older guys yeah you know what you're getting and like there's some upside i'm basically paraphrasing but it's like hiring like a new candidate that's completely unfamiliar with the landscape to going back to like what's comfortable and what we've seen before and so maybe I, like I don't like the thought process but you know. Well, you're saying like maybe lower risk reward. Yeah, like, yeah. We like, see that. We see that actually. I mean, it's something that doesn't get talked about a ton. But I mean, there are definitely front office ex executives that are that they make moves to keep their jobs. Like not every move is made in order to like completely yeah. win a championship. You make the playoffs a season, like your job is a lot more secure than if you don't. And same thing so with like coaching. You know, playing a veteran maybe compared to you know playing a younger guy who has a lot more potential, like. There's a reason why a lot of rookies who, when you're like, when you're a fan base, like for instance, I mean, it ended up working out for the Knicks this year, but everyone's going quickly, quickly, quickly. Why is he not playing more? Get him on the court. And Tibbs is like, bro, I've been fired twice now. You know, I'm putting my, I'm putting who I think is the best lineup out there and I'm doing it. Like quickly's development so, will come. He is here, the most extreme example of that. Cause he never plays rookies. Here's the thing. Stephen A. Smith 
one of my favorite, like one of my influences to get into this field. Um, I have tremendous respect for what he's trying to do here, but I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't agree with him. He did the same thing when Steve Nash got hired by the Brooklyn Nets. He turned it into a racial issue. And the reason I disagree with him here, he did do that. And at the time, I thought Steve Nash was the perfect hire for the Brooklyn Nets because you need a guy that, one, has a modern NBA, like, offense. Coop, I know you're going to say something, but let me finish my point. Knows the modern NBA, was an assistant with the Golden State Warriors, played in an up-tempo offense, and has the respect of Kevin Durant. But that aside, if you paid attention at the exact same time that Stephen A. Smith stormed off set, I don't know which came first. I don't know if this was a knee-jerk reaction to what Stephen A. Smith said, but the only report I read about Jason Kidd also had Lloyd Pierce's name in it, who is a head coach that went 60 and like no, 120. No, I'm, I'm correcting myself on that. They started off by talking about like, why are these guys kind of getting the same chances? But then they progressed to front offices and how it's even worse in front offices. And oh, I thought he was talking about head coaches. I thought he was talking about head coaches. I didn't I didn't watch Stephen A. Storm offset. Um, I can't comment on head co uh, on front offices because I would agree with him. Masai Ujiri is probably the best one of the best general managers in the league. So, so Mike, you thought you thought you thought Steve Nash, we could go on record. Let's quote this time. I want to I want a good sound bite of this when the Brooklyn Nets season is over. You thought Steve Nash was the perfect coaching candidate for three experienced all-star level players. Well, well obviously the they time. didn't have Harden at the time. Yeah, so they didn't have Harden at the time. Look, but you thought Steve Nash was the perfect guy for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? In the sense that if you look at the head coaching staff, like the I've gone on record to say this, the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff is a freaking all-star team. Like, I don't know if you see, uh, if you, let me like pull it up in its entirety. But it's a, it's a it's a solid staff for sure. You know they got Dan Tony, they got a bunch of other names. Like like it's a solid staff, but to have Steve Nash leading that staff, like they have they have Steve and Nash. I like Steve Nash. I love Steve Nash. That's, that was one of my favorite players back in the day. I think it's like a good. I think for I don't think it's just Steve Nash. You have Steve Nash. You have Mike D'Antoni. You have Jacques Vaughn, you have Ime Yudoka, you have Amari Stoudemire. You pretty much have a situation where, like, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and bear in mind, they will and they have done this. If they want to do something that, like, riles up fans or riles up the media or, you know, just in general could be, like, a distraction to the team, this is the coaching staff that could hold them under control. I don't think in so. My... Dan Tony holds somebody under control? No, no, not Dan Tony. Not Dan Tony. You're right about that. Here's my one. Be careful with the words. Hold someone under control. Not hold. Not hold. Some, but like you know. I know what he means. He, he means like and, uh, and the, yeah, control like the situation. Jackson, yeah, yeah, like Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman. Like rain like, in the team. You know, like yeah, like, rain in the team. Like yeah. So just so we could replace that audio, bro. If you want Dan someone, Tony lost the locker room in Houston. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's an assistant. You have Amari, you have Steve Nash, Amari, you have Jacques Vaughn. I think Lionel. I think Lionel Hollins is there too. I mean, look, Amari was playing basketball like two years ago, bro. Players tend to respect former players. Especially Amari, to be fair, I don't think Amari's in like too crazy of a role. I think he's literally yeah, he's yeah, like a yeah. That's probably like it's that, that's probably true. But I mean, you got Dan Tony. If I'm the Nets, I'm hiring a defensive coach. 
That's that's just my opinion. Somebody I gotta read this headline. There is literally a New York Times headline that goes: Amari Stoudemire is a coach now, but don't call him that. It's like, yeah. All right. Like, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's like player development or something. But Honestly, yeah, I, I like Amari on the staff though. I like Amari, man. I've always messed with Amari too. I was kind of surprised because I never heard like Amari was even interested in coaching when he got hired. I actually liked Kenny Atkinson too. I can't believe he's not coaching right now. That's actually a little crazy. Everything with everything we said, what do we think about the fact that Brad Stevens just has said that since the bubble he's felt worn and tired out and he's giving up coaching. Now, this was a guy who at one point in time was the guy. Like it was like Brad Stevens was the the hot young coach 100% like people were, you know, there was a poll I actually um pulled up on my Twitter like okay, so there's a poll. Yes, Chris Mannix in um 2018 may of 2018 said you are the gm of an expansion team you have your choice of any nba player or brad stevens who do you choose so you're an expansion yeah. team you're starting okay, okay, your your that. team around one person and 34 percent of people said brad stevens like that is insane that is crazy they, like they were look, perceived man. as the modern day spurs at the time I'm probably in the minority here, but I, I understand where Brad Stevens is coming from. I mean, as a coach, people don't really talk about it, but it seems like an incredibly stressful job, especially in today's NBA that's pretty much run by the players. I feel I'm I'm just saying I, he never won anything. What did he win? No, but I'm. Oh, well, well yeah, we're talking about like kind of two different. That's things what I'm, I was I'm kind of just. Yeah, I'm kind of just saying like, I think it's crazy that at one point, 34 percent of people. And that, had a, that was a poll with over 20,000 people voted. So 34%, what, that's like 7,500 around. Yeah, um, that's one of those hindsight's like, 2020 things. That's like, that that amount of people were like, yes, we would take Brad Stevens because they believed in his system that much that you could build a system around Brad Stevens. And now three years later, we're at a point where he is not a coach anymore. It's not fair to say that he's not like a great coach, though. He just lost a team. It happens to a lot of coaches. He could go somewhere else and probably coach if he was, still had that passion and find great success, which brings me back to being a coach in today's game is incredibly tough. You got to keep so many people happy. If like your star players don't like you, then you're just you're just kind of screwed in a sense, you know? So I don't know. You know. I'll blame I'll blame him more than you're blaming him. He literally lost Gordon Hayward, like the guy that he was attached to the, the hip to. They were like, Gordon Hayward's coming because Brad Stevens. Well, yeah, but he's got. He had to keep so many guys happy. He had to keep so many guys happy. He had to keep Kyrie happy. So who's everyone? Keep, what do you mean? Who's everyone? No, I didn't say who's everyone. I said so does everyone. Every team that's a championship team has he had to, Kyrie. He had Terry Rozier. He had to keep Hayward happy. He yeah, tough situation that he unobjectively failed in. He didn't. He literally. He didn't keep Kyrie. He did not keep Kyrie happy. He did not exactly, keep but it's happy. It's a tough. It was a tough situation. What I'm saying is, it wasn't easy. We're not talking about a normal coach here. We are literally talking about a coach who was compared to Greg Popovich like no other. Like he, it was like okay, Greg Popovich stepping down. Like it's like the like the torch is being handed off to Brad Stevens as the next great coach. Like you have to admit that it is insane that this man is not even coaching anymore on his own. Like he doesn't want to coach. He's not coaching because he's not a good coach. He could find another job. I'm definitely not saying he's not a good coach, but I'm just saying it's crap. My whole thing is it is crazy that he's not coaching anymore, that this is what happened to the Celtics. Well, it's yeah, also you, crazy you, that you can't the, the Brooklyn burnout. Nets 
I mean, it's also crazy that here we're here we sit right now. The Brooklyn Nets are just took down the Boston Celtics, the team that took all their picks. How did this um, happen? Um, hold on. Players for, wanted uh, to play together. The- uh, they they got off their assets. The Nets weren't scared to make a move. They didn't have Danny Ainge running the team. I'll take that. The Nets did. The Nets were not scared to make a move. The freaking Celtics were scared to make a move. And I mean, I, feel I don't like think gonna... it's scared to say that. I mean, I don't think it's fair to say that because when you evaluate Danny Ainge's tenure as a Boston Celtics general manager, he did make moves. He made mediocre moves. I don't think he made mediocre moves. I think we're calling them mediocre. Yeah, he never. He played it safe the whole time. They still have all their picks from from like the future. Like you know, they they, um, they traded one of them for Kyrie Irving. That didn't pan out. They signed Gordon a- Hayward. Well, Isaiah Thomas was a mean part of that trade. I mean, anybody signing Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward was like a, a max play. He's still probably. I think he got the max with Charlotte. But he was fresh yeah, anybody. Fresh that's, yeah, that's, that's, an, like, that's an easy decision, Mike. I do. Oh, well, here's the thing. There are moves that Danny Ainge made, and I agree with you. There are times that he should have made trades that he didn't. But at the same time, like, he did a fantastic job in manipulating specific situations, like the 2017 NBA draft, trading back and uh, drafting Jason Tatum, drafting Jalen Brown the year prior, trading Isaiah Thomas when when he said, okay, this is the peak of his value. Let me get Kyrie Irving in return. He signed Gordon Hayward. He built a great team. But Gordon Hayward broke his leg. Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. I'm assuming that he saw that Danny Ainge isn't a loyal individual and he traded Isaiah Thomas. You yep. can't just be like, he mean? got Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas had trade value. He had enough trade value to get Kyrie. So they could have traded for someone else. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at like their draft, they traded for Kyrie. The- they chose him. Like and outside the outside them. of the top five, they're they are horrific. They're horrific. They sat on a lot of mediocre yeah. picks. Like, they like, got some I, I guys, but that. yeah, they've got misses. They've got James Young, just in one random name I off think the top of my head. But at the at the end of the day, like I think Danny Ainge should be remembered in Boston Celtics lore as a general manager that pulled the Celtics out of the doldrums of mediocrity by by that big three trade. And also swung um, a great trade to get him out. What do you mean? By Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett? Yeah, he pulled the them doldrums out of the doldrums. are mediocrity? I'm pulling Bro, they, the franchise were, intri- index. Right please, now. please, please, please. <laughs> the doldrums were, they, are mediocrity. They were, they were irrelevant for almost two decades. What are you talking about? They I mean, were they, so irrelevant. They, they made were the terrible. Eastern Conference Finals in 2002, Eastern Conference Semis, and then first round, back-to-back first rounds. Okay, they were terrible the year before. They were terrible the year before. I'll give you that. But I think you're overstating. He came in in 2003. Okay. I mean, they had Paul And Pierce pulled them out. Didn't that deal happen because, like, uh, the Timberwolves were trying to 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 do a favor to, for, for Danny Ainge or some crap like that? I'm kind of going too I mean, far, actually, on the side of negative Danny Ainge because I no, do agree by all means because I'm do, too. Like I do I, I agree, mean, he did a good job like in certain things. Oh but yeah, with the big here's three, what I'll say. I, I'll say it's the same thing with Brad Stevens. Okay, I'm like holding them both to a higher standard at this point, which you could people could say is fair or is not fair. Whatever. I think you can hold certain people to a higher higher standard. Like we watch LeBron James play basketball. If he like doesn't perform at a le- like an, an elite elite level, he gets some hate. Like he gets a ton of hate probably because he's LeBron James. Okay, 
Okay, so um, in your eyes, where did Stevens Brad fail? Brad Stevens was literally... What, what, what year? I, I mean, it felt like they overachieved a lot to me, but what Brad year did Stevens, you feel like? That one, that's tough. Um, That's more of like, I, like I said, like again, like I'm just more shocked that he's done coaching. Like I'm, I, didn't, I wouldn't say he got the tools that like necessary. And maybe it's just Gordon Hayward breaking his leg and maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe they could have made the finals there and... Like, you know, this is just a different conversation. Brad Stevens, I wouldn't say fully failed. And he was with the team for so long, Coop, that, like, I agree with you. You know, at some point, it's very hard to keep a locker room for that long. Um, I, but as for Danny Ainge, I think he should be held to a higher standard because of how much he himself hyped up the amount of picks that they had. You know? Yeah. Like, that's all we heard about for literally, like, five years. Like, yeah. maybe it's no exception, but for three so years. Going, like, so, it's all we so heard going back. So going back to what you were saying, 20, 2017 and 2018, they made it to the conference finals. So Yeah, but they never won a LeBron, championship with what Yeah, because they LeBron had. James was in their conference. And also, like, yeah, if a few things went their way, we might be having a completely different conversation. If Gordon Hayward didn't break his leg, if Kyrie Irving didn't dislike the way the Boston Celtics ran their operation, we might be having a different conversation. But at the same time, if we're going to sit here and play what if and say, hey, Danny Ainge should have traded for Jimmy Butler. Well, what if Jimmy Butler went to Boston and treated Boston like Minnesota or treated uh, Boston like Philadelphia and left anyways? Who else was available? Paul George and free agency? Yeah, maybe well, my he could have pulled is, the on that. My thing is that we have the same problem that the Trailblazers had. Never really got off of any future. I can't even believe I'm saying that this is a problem. And I'm advocating trading future picks, but it's kind of the NBA that we're in today. Danny Ainge didn't have to trade future picks. He could have just traded more lottery picks and built better rosters, got more talent. Um, he just didn't. If you look at a lot of these past draft picks that he's had and just some of these picks that he's held on to, um, it's just things that he didn't have to do. I'm not saying he did a terrible job because you're right, Mike. At the end of the day, he did put together some solid rosters. Um, they, they could have been better. And of course, I appreciate, you know, the whole big three era and all that. But yeah, they had a good era then. They didn't quite pull it out. Also, I mean, we're playing devil's advocate here. We're playing what if. And at the end of the day, uh, Danny Ainge tried to trade for Justice Winslow and tried to give several of his picks away, including, if I'm not mistaken, the pick for Jalen Brown. So Danny Ainge got literally got saved not by anyone else other than michael jordan like michael jordan said no to that trade because michael jordan wanted to, to draft frank kaminsky okay so if any by any other logic someone else is taking that trade danny Ainge got saved there history saved danny Ainge from himself there he'll be remembered of course as a great uh, a great general manager, a great president of basketball operations. He'll he'll be remembered as you know a great front office guy for sure. I mean, he won them a championship with assembling a team, and he they've been consistently good. But I will say, like you know, like you can't just at the end of the day championship above all else when you have that amount of picks, that amount of talent on the roster. You've got guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Feels like he's leaving the cupboard a little bare now. You know, like, well, where the do they the, go from here? Well, I think, the, if you remember, I think we recorded a pod a month ago, and I said, I think this is the point where Danny Ainge has to consider stepping down. Because I think he did everything he could. His reputation is kind of soiled now as this guy that will screw you over if he can marginally make the team better. 
So I think this is the best move that they can make. They still want to remain. Apparently, they've you been know discussing. I wish you had brought that up earlier. That's plan. actually a great point. Yeah. Um, originally, like they were planning the succession plan for months now, and it seems like the best way they could maintain a tie to Brad Stevens, who they perceive and we all perceive to be a basketball genius, is to at least elevate him to the front office position, and maybe he'll be better than Danny Ainge. But at the very least, at least Brad Stevens has a clean slate, might be able to connect to some players. We have to see. Maybe they'll be able to attract some free agents now. We'll have to see. I would imagine that if they're bringing him up to the front office that he has good relationships with the guys on the team. Um, you know, Yeah, that's, that's also, something. like you said, that that's good. The, the, uh, the Celtics have a clean slate to work with because Danny Ainge has... Uh, no has one wanted to trade with him. Yeah. A lot of he dirt. had this but reputation. I remember there's this like article that came out about everyone's scared that Danny Ainge will screw you over. Like, yep. Contrary to popular and belief, contrary to popular belief, I still like what the Celtics have set up going forward. Um, you know, two superstars, two potential superstars under the age of 26. Tough to be mad at that. A uh, couple of key role players. Some uh, they're gonna have to retain, but you know, I I, I like the setup of their roster going forward. For, for Brad Stevens. Would you trade Jalen Brown? Because in my opinion, I feel like if you can get the right offer, you know, don't don't jump the gun here, don't do anything crazy. But I feel like, I mean, if you look at a situation like CJ and Dame, you had a little bit of, um, you had a little bit of the same thing going on. I can't think of the word. But we're done. I think, I think it's a little. I think it's different. I think it's different. I think it's. Way well, different. I think we're watching Jason Tatum without Jalen Brown, and he just became unleashed. Like suddenly, he's dropping fifty bombs. Like, but you don't want to. Ha- you don't want to have to see him consistently do that. That's not. You know. I mean, do you not? I mean, like he could elevate. You want to make his 30- life easier. You don't want him to drop fifty. Well, no, that's why I'm saying nothing. Nothing rash. I'm not saying like take a trade like that's not a good, but like if you could get uh comparable. Who do you want to get? I think Jalen Brown can be a superstar. Like I'm just really high on Jalen Brown, hmm, and I don't think this is like the Dame and CJ thing where like CJ is undersized and a poor defender and it conflicts a ton. I think this is more like Kawhi and PG in a sense. I've always viewed the Celtics kind of like the Clippers East. I mean, well, uh, we'll see if that works out. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely, we'll see if that works out. Uh, but I would love to see the Celtics get a playmaker. But man, I love Jalen Brown. I can't believe you want to trade him. I get the idea. The ideology. I'm just. But... I'm just talking about like you know, like they have like other holes in their roster that you know. If yeah, you they, they great they, big they, man. They definitely if you could get, do. If you could get someone, I'm not saying trade Jalen Brown. I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that because the thing is, in all likelihood, they're not going to get like an equal offer. But if they were to get an equal offer where you could fulfill fill a need maybe at, at a big man that's compare like you know just as comparable of an impact then yeah I would be I'd be looking for it if I was the Celtics all I'm saying is I would be looking out I would maybe I wouldn't be actively reaching out to teams because then Jalen Brown hears that and suddenly he's pissed and everything's but I'd be looking out for it because I just think you know I, I don't know I, I Jason Tatum was so exciting by himself on the wing and yeah Jalen Brown and him have done their thing together but you, there is some redundancy in having two wing scorers Jalen Brown is a great defender you know good defender 
he yeah he gives you that but if you can maybe even your roster out maybe make it a little more balanced like right now their bigs are just not like they're not good uh, yeah jason tatum is exciting currently without jalen brown the same way as damian lillard's exciting he's going off for 50 but he's losing so at the but end the of the team day, is missing a piece though so that that's the difference to me damian lillard has his team like jalen brown is either going to be on the team and they'll be better or you can make a move with him and you know maybe you have a just a much improved roster that is more like balanced and works. I think that's a better. I, I like that better for Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I, so I you don't think they to fit say. together? Yeah, I don't think they're the best fit right so now either. under Van Gundy. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think I would Brandon like to Ingram see them play out their too. youth a little bit more. I think Brandon Ingram wants his own team too. Um, Point Zion has yielded the best results for the Pelicans, in my opinion. Um, transcendent talent. You want the ball in his hands at pretty much all times. I would just be – man, Brandon Ingram's like one of the worst defenders in the league. You know, I just completely hijacked this combo. All right, back to uh, back No, no, you're to good. Brown. No, no, made, no, it made sense. No, I agree because it's – Okay. That we were just talking about like, you know, redundancy in two positions where it's like – I mean, it's tough. If you go on 2K and you just click – you know, go to the trade finder, you click start on Jalen Brown's name. You get 30 trade offers from 30 different teams and you go, oh, okay, this guy has a power forward that fits perfectly and everything works out perfectly well. But it's not as easy as that. Who do you think would be the ideal big to pair with Tatum if you were able to get fair value for Brown? See, now that is very tough. Um, and the <sighs> other is team tough. is going to need a wing as well, which I'd say, is awesome. Uh, I'd say if you, I'd say if the Celtics, oh my god, this is this this is going to suck. But say like, it. say it. If the Celtics pulled off that trade for Miles Turner, oh my god, we'd be having a completely different conversation oh, yeah. right now. You have a defensive. I still don't understand. Center. I still don't get it. Like, ah, like Danny Ainge will probably still be in the front office. Like, bro, what are you doing? Why do, I don't. You want. Uh, like i've googled that extensively because i it seems so unbelievable that that would ever even happen like they act i think the what the conclusion that i came to after googling was that it was like reported that the celtics viewed miles turner as a negative asset are you uh that's insane that's the only reason if you ask me the celtics need steven adams (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could have to win Brown. So <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Keep Brown. Just take Adams. <laughs> so you know, you guys, the Celtics uh, need uh, Lowry Markkinen. They need some wing shooting. Um, we need Jalen Brown. That might not be the worst fit, honestly. All right, I'll be, I mean, I'll be right back, guys. Give me one sec. My boy Lowry's gonna go somewhere. No, you could play Larius. I mean, have you seen? No, you like, can't. I'm telling you, you in your imaginary world. But you're not listening. You're not. Listening. I'm listening. I am listening. I. You're not listening. You didn't watch any Bulls games. You don't watch any Pelicans games. I don't care what you're saying. Doesn't matter. I don't you're care what you're saying. saying. You said no because you said no. I, I'm just saying I don't care what you're saying because you said that Lowry could play center. Lowry, it cannot play center. But no, you're not listening. You're, de- you're like I think your 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 headphones dying. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But look, the the Pelicans, Stephen Adams is such a negative asset. It can't get any worse. 
It can't get any fucking worse. If that's your argument, then fine. That's that's literally my argument. That's literally that's my your, argument. If that's your argument, then, then it's an understandable argument. Bro, have fine. you seen how... Man, look. Actually, I think part of the problem is Lonzo Ball, too, to be fair, which is also why I don't understand why people are so high on him. He gets caught up on one screen every time. Adam sucks at defending. He's got stone feet. But, if you, I mean, like... Let's not talk about defense and Lowry Markin. Listen. No, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like... Lonzo, man, I think he's part of the problem, too, for the Pelicans' defense. You set one screen on him, he shows no willingness to get over it. That's actually an underrated skill for guards. Like, are they able to effectively get through screens? I mean, it's like a screen-and-roll league now, right? End of the day, I think Lowry Markkinen fits somewhere. I don't think the Pelicans are I leave for one second. I'm also you guys afraid. are talking about the Pelicans and... The freaking Chicago Bulls. You guys are such homers. Let's talk about people that are in the playoffs at the very least. Oh, yeah. We like, were talking like to ourselves. Lakers, right? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I left to go get, you know, a piece of, you know, at least something that'll make me feel a little bit better before. I so you didn't even have a pressing matter. You just left for show. Quick question. Where do you rank LeBron in terms of best player in the league right now? We're talking top five, top 10, still top one. Okay, so here's, so, so no, I need to get something off my chest. So there's this like complete misconception about me as like some sort of like crazy diehard LeBron ride or die. So let me get something straight. I was rooting against LeBron James when he was going up against the Warriors. I was rooting against LeBron James when he was on the Miami Heat. I'm a Laker fan. So since he's on the Lakers, I'm rooting for him. And to be honest, in terms of, I want to give him benefit of the doubt. The man has gone through a lot. You know, he's had injuries this year. He's dealt with an ankle injury. His longevity's remarkable. I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm watching when I'm watching these games. Like, it's almost as if he's ghost walking through the playoffs. Maybe it's because he was literally in a playoff series. I don't know eight months ago i don't know what it is but when i, I mean he had a lot of time games, off I, um even though he was hurt yeah it's like here's the thing if you're the greatest of all time and i'm not judging lebron's legacy on one game or one series even if he leaves the first round i still think he's one of like he's one of the greatest of all time but if you are the greatest of all time like when i watch tom brady play football and they're down 28 to 3 at the half i stood up i sat down i'm like there's no freaking way that tom brady loses the super bowl 28 to 3 and gets blown out by the atlanta falcons i i said that to myself like i didn't think he'd come all the way back but i thought he'd at least make it a game so if LeBron James is the greatest of all time, I don't think it is a crazy ask or a crazy thing to believe that, hey, this is the greatest basketball player of all time. Don't you think he'd be able to come back down three to two or at least go up three to two when his sidekick is out, despite Dennis Schroeder being an upgrade over Rajon Rondo, despite Wesley Matthews being an upgrade over Danny Green, despite Marcus Saul being an upgrade over Dwight Howard and getting the defending sixth man of the year. Is it a crazy thing to say, hey, if LeBron James is the greatest of all time, shouldn't he be able to win at least one game without AD against the Phoenix Suns? Hell, win a half, win, a, I'm sorry, win a half at Staples Center without AD, despite being up. I was there live, bro. So 
Yo, I'm not. You know what? You know what? You know what? NBA. This is what happens when you give a fucking Lakers fan LeBron James. Yeah. All right. He wins you a championship, and then this is what happens. You get chill, this chill, chill. rant. You get yeah, this yeah. rant. You're right? being too honest. You're being too honest. It hurts. Like, that stop. is what happens stop. when you give a Lakers fan. Are you kidding me? Are you Bro, kidding if the Pelicans me? were the seventh seed right now, I don't even right know what to say. I'm right running now. laps around my block. Man. I don't even know if, what if to say. Did you watch the rant. game last night? Did you watch them? Did, Did I watch the game, bro? Literally, look at the Lakers stats, dude. You just mentioned Matras Harold. He's played three games this series. Like there, there. No one is showing up. It is not LeBron. I mean, if you, I'm not, the no, only I'm not saying the, you could possibly make is that LeBron hasn't controlled the locker room, maybe as much as in the past. But again, yeah, he's, he's been, been a, hurt. And I'll say he's been a poor leader. I think he's yeah, been a poor like, leader. I mean, this, like, this that's series. what I'll say. But like, dude, look at these shooting numbers. Let's just pull them up right here. Dennis Schroeder shooting 39 percent from the field. Okay, that's somehow among the best. You've got KCP shooting 22 percent. Alex Caruso, Caruso shooting 37%. Kyle Kuzma shooting 31%. You have freaking Andre Drummond. They bank on Andre Drummond. Everyone talks to Andre Drummond. He plays 21 minutes a game because he can't play defense because he misses layups wide open at the rim. And Anthony Davis is out. He was hurt for part of a game. I mean, I think that the Suns were still going to win that game. But, and then he missed an entire game. So, like, I I don't think, so I think you're overhyping this roster. Wesley Matthews and Marcus Gasol aren't, aren't upgrades. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think this roster is getting overhyped. Also, and also, I mean, I'm not going to – if this is LeBron's time to go, you know, if if this is his, like, okay, finally, finally, LeBron has taken a step back. Like, all right, the man just won a championship one year ago at 35 and was still the best player in basketball, which is remarkable. So, I'll, I'm not, I, I can't believe you just buried LeBron. I'm not going to lie, though. I, didn't I don't bury like his LeBron. body language. You buried LeBron. You literally just yelled at the LeBron. top of your lungs. Can you win me one half? Yeah. Can you win me one half? He won you a championship last year. First of all, look, I'm saying. You're supposed to call it a, a, a Mickey Mouse. Championship. <laughs> yeah, you're going to call yourself? No, I was about to say Mike. I was about to say Mike. I was about to say Mike. Look. You joke. No, 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 no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Look, uh, look, look. look. I'm saying that if you're the greatest of all time, I don't think it's a big ass to win a half of basketball. And they've won two court. games. What are you talking about? Without Anthony Davis, win a half. It's look, game. It's game it, six. We'll see. Overreaction. I mean, this is yeah. Overreaction. All right. Look, I see both sides. If, He's a there are overreactions, man. and then there's whatever. Dude, you watch. Dude, dude, you watch your team get pummeled on national television by 30 and i'm sure you'll be acting 100 times worse than i am he he watches like, it every time they play mike i'm sure he'll prove me wrong but it, it was feels like you're talking to yourself right now i i i have to under you guys are done i was just yeah no I, yeah, honestly fan, as a you, you guys are done as someone who in 2017 tweeted out that my favorite western conference team was the phoenix suns and then backed that up on new year's this year you guys are done yeah done Forking you. Um, let's go Suns, baby. Yo, you know what? I actually went to a Phoenix Suns game. Let's add on top of it. I actually met Chris Paul. He was really nice. Yo, I actually am Devin Booker. Do you guys see what I go through here? No, no, no. Not, I'm not talking to Lisa. Do you guys like podcast? Do you see what I have to deal with here every single week? The abuse. 
abuse. Uh, you just yelled at. You, oh my god! I wish LeBron could. Dude, watch you complain this. about Laurie marketing every week. Hey, I get you to call. You called Wesley Matthews an upgrade over Danny Green. Yeah. He's getting. Dude, how is how is it how is Montres Harrell's you, abilities as a basketball player on LeBron? I'm saying that he has a pretty freaking good supporting cast. Of course, KCP's out. Of course, AD is out. How's everyone course, missing every wide open three on LeBron though? Like, listen, I will agree with like you know LeBron. LeBron isn't go out and get you 50 points. My team sucks. I'm just gonna score every point. No matter what. But I think here's the thing. They're just here's freaking, they're just daring everyone to shoot. And everyone is building houses. It's it's a combo, I'll tell you, as someone like that is a little bit more calm emotionally now. <laughs> Based off of what I saw, it was a combination of a remarkable game plan around LeBron James, where they had him in some sort of very interesting zone. And then they would go back to like playing regular defense whenever LeBron James would give up the ball and they would close out on the shooters and the shooters would miss. And you combine that with a Phoenix Suns team that literally turned the ball over four times the entire game and you get a you get a pummeling by 30 points. So, uh, I mean, we have LeBron James on our team. I still think he's the best player in the NBA. Yeah, it could be hard on him from time to time. Um, hopefully he's able to pull something out. It's just, there's a lot of hopelessness when you see your team pretty much give up. And that's what I was watching. Like me and Coop have watched that season after season. (laughs) I don't think you understand this. Like, I think what you're not. Okay. Well, we're contending right now. We won a championship last year. Oh, so, so so what am I supposed to do? We won a championship. Oh, remain a little hopeful. It's only three, two. Yeah. It's three, two. We're one game away and they get, they have another home game. You know, like, they have one more home game over uh, us. I mean, like, uh, I don't know what to say. And then know. AD, my, like, I don't know. Hopefully I wake up tomorrow and Anthony Davis comes back. And I don't know. Like, I if you would, think my reaction if it was, was bad, If it was me, I, would, I know for a fact I wouldn't be sitting on this podcast not having faith in my boys. But, you know, that's just me. Dude, if you watched, like, I will show you clips. There are clips of the Suns out in transition. LeBron James just sitting there and crossing his uh, crossing his arms like this. Like, it's a playoff. What would you would feel the same way? You, you like, so long as they play hard and they do their best, that's one thing. But they weren't. And, yeah, they were missing their shots. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. But if it does, we're out. Hey, man. I mean, Zimba, you probably first... forgot. You probably forgot a lot of Lakers fans did not initially want LeBron James. Like, they wanted him gone when things weren't clicking right off the bat. Remember the first season he was there? It took a while for them to get going. And then there was that animosity with Ingram and, uh, yeah. and Kuzma and all that. Like, I, I kind of forgot about that, but man, it seems like right now they couldn't wait to turn on Braun. Like, he's about like, to be 37, bro. Like, come like, on, man. Honestly, and Mike, you're already saying this. And, like, you know, Lakers fans, I don't want to generalize you. I don't want to say all of you are like this. However, I know there are a bunch of you that are like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to generalize I, either. So, like, I'm, there I'm are, you know, this. and like, and there are Lakers fans that, you know, get very annoyed at, play, like, people like this. And I'm not saying Mike's fully person like this. He's just mad. He's just teams. You know, playoff could be playoff bounced right now. You know, I get the the anger, but it's LeBron James, and he just literally brought you a championship one year ago. Um, he's been through like this has not been his season really. It's been through injuries. Anthony Davis has been through injuries. 
it's unfortunate. Anthony Davis has recently been like, you know, more injury prone than he, you know, fully was throughout the entirety of his career. Was he this injury prone, Coop? In the beginning, a lot of small injuries, a lot of stuff yeah, that small, we really right? keep like, him out. Yeah. It was. I know he just, he just I, flops. It, like that's annoying. It's but it's weird because there was this this uh there was this time last season after they won the championship where they were pretty much bragging about AD playing through like a bunch of injuries with the Lakers, saying like this is championship stuff. Like you know you weren't doing this in New Orleans, and. I, I thought that that whole thing was like dumb. Um, what, what do you guys think about Andre Drummond at this point? Like, uh, and the Lakers saying that he's part of their future because I would just like to just laugh at Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, I feel like it's just hurting them him on the court. Like, well, his culture, okay. the culture fit, everything. Like, how giving Andre Drummond minutes, I just think hurts. I just think he's on a longer leash than a normal player would be like he just gets like you know he gets his 21 minutes whatever like like they're last well, I mean, year also, i said they're gonna play who else are they gonna I mean, play play guards around freaking put i mean right now no one play really guards because, against aiden yeah that's not happening no no i'm saying right now no one because ad's out but without ad i'm saying with ad i'm saying they still were playing andre drummond and combining ad and you know they went down the stretch of what was it game three they went down the stretch, they benched Drummond, they put AD at center, and they freaking won. It's as simple as that. That's their best lineup is Anthony Davis at the center spot. So it's kind of hard when you have a guy like Andre Drummond because Andre Drummond is a former all-star. He has an ego, an understandable ego. Like, you know, the man is expects to go out there and play 30 minutes a game and contribute to his team. He's been a top option on NBA teams. So that was my whole point when they originally signed him is that like, that is why it can be a negative asset because you get a guy that you can't just easily bench. And like you see reports, Lakers are like including him in their future. Like this isn't Dwight Howard. This isn't like you just don't play him for two games and you're just like, okay, like, you know, we signed you for a vet min, like whatever. Like this is like, they kind of have made so many public statements. I feel like they've just dug themselves in a corner with Andre Drummond right now. It, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like all roads go back to LeBron James. If LeBron James wants Andre Drummond, we give up LeBron James, Andre Drummond. And it's as simple as that. Like, this is a guy that came in like completely like you're you made a good point. This is a guy that brought us our first championship in a decade. So if he enjoys sharing the court with him and he thinks he can win with them, then yeah. And who's to say that Andre Drummond wants to sign for the max? You might take a pay cut just to have a meaningful role on a championship team. We don't know how much he'd want to sign with the Lakers for. Well, Andre Drummond himself said that. So that's where I was getting those words from. Kyrie Irving said that he's going to re-sign with the Boston Celtics and then changed his mind. You know, like things change. So that's a big, there's a big difference there in terms of like signing for what, how much are you going to sign Drummond for? Because he was asking for like know. 30 mil a year. I don't know. I I'm saying don't think he's I'm getting saying, that from any team, though, so I don't think it's... I don't even, think yeah. the Lakers are, are playing Drummond because they feel obligated. I feel like they actually view him as, like, part of the future. So, yeah, and we'll I, obviously, I obviously think he's a big LeBron fan, too. So, 
I don't think I yeah. just I just don't think it was a great fit. I never thought it was a great fit. And when he's yeah, out, hey, hey, better better than what they had. So yeah, like here's the thing: you you perceive this as a situation where the Lakers, you know, say, "Hey, we're an Andre Drummond away from contending." He's just a replacement for Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. We don't have a traditional center aside from Andre Drummond. Montrez Harrell's a defensive liability. He's six foot eight. Have Gasol, but okay. You are not citing Mark Gasol as a I'm, viable option right now. You're not doing. I'm that. literally not, like nah. I. I just and spot Who, minutes. Sure, no, not you, not you, flight Mike Krasimba. All right. I mean, I don't. I don't know what to say because. I'm looking at the advanced, the on-off court stats for the. Yeah, Lakers. you can't play Gasol 30 minutes per game, man. He's gonna yeah. give you good spot minutes. And that's I it. I agree, you're right, but I I don't know. I've just never liked the signing, and I think it like, I think it enabled Anthony Davis. I mean, we're not seeing it now because Anthony Davis is hurt, but it enabled him to continue to play the power forward spot in a situation where I don't think he should be playing the power forward spot. I think he should be playing almost all of his minutes at the center position right now Bro, with Andre Drummond. That makes things a lot tougher. Uh, and if you don't win the first round. I'm going to have to be subjected to Andre Drummond's slander for the rest of the playoffs. Listen, I will stop the Andre Drummond slander. I, you know what? I agree. I'll say, I agree with you guys in terms of like giving you 20 minutes. Boom. That's fine. Okay. The problem is Anthony Davis. There, there should not be 20 minutes being even played by anyone at the center spot. That isn't Anthony Davis. Nate Davis should be playing 36, 38 minutes a game just at center. If you look at every single advanced stat that exists or just normal stat, Anthony Davis, tremendously better playing center and basically always has been. And sure, Anthony Davis, you don't want to get like, he doesn't really, I guess, like, you know, getting bodied around um, at the center position during the regular season. That's fine. It's the playoffs. Time to win. Play Anthony Davis as much as you can at the center position. That's just my thing. And you've got wings, you know, at this point, you got to just hope they make their shots because they've just been so incredibly off, but they've got talent at the wing positions in order, like, and you put LeBron at power forward. It's a natural progression. LeBron has gotten older. He's lost a little bit of a step. You know, he's still six foot eight. He's still a giant human being. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. AD is a lot better at center. And I'll also say this, when you move Bron to power forward, uh, you you make life a little bit easier for Braun, um, spacing wise. But beyond spacing wise, there's more creators on the floor. The Lakers have like this giant problem with just getting guys that can create their own shot or any type of offense on the floor with LeBron James. And honestly, I think that's wearing on wearing on him a ton in the, in this playoff series. Yeah, I think um, they expected Schroeder to step up a lot more than he has. And we could look back at this as, I mean, remember, they did not give up Taylor Horton Tucker. They did not want to include him in man, Kyle Lowry. Trade. Schroeder, I think, I think Schroeder's gone, man. I think his body language has been really telling. Like, I, if, if he resigns, I'll be shocked. I think something was I'm just confused out. what has happened. The audacity I think the, the, of Schroeder, bro. Like, the contract think, negotiations. Go yeah, ahead. Do you think that pissed him off this, that much? This man turned down $80 million and went 0 for 9 last night. Like what? You know, like living, living here, I'll dream. defend Schroeder in terms of like eighty million for four years. Like it was eighty-four million, I think, for four years. Uh, like that is a contract that is actually well within his means at with the stats that he put up the last two years. If you look at his stats, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about these playoffs. I know you're about to flip out because of these playoffs. I'm not talking about these playoffs. I'm just saying 
in terms of the last two years, like his full body of work, regular season, $20 million in this day and age of cap space is not crazy. Evan Fournier is looking for $20 million a year, you know? So for him to turn it down and look for more isn't crazy. Like he just wasn't accepting the contract extension at that time. That doesn't mean that in three months he wasn't going to accept it. You know, he was just betting on himself to outplay and to, he was betting on himself realistically. Let's just be real here. He was betting on himself to step up come playoff time and to be a part of a Lakers giant playoff run and then get handsomely paid for it. That's not what's been happening. I don't know, man. I don't know. This is probably too conspiracy theorist like or whatever, but um, I don't know, man. Just the vibes between him and Braun have just kind of felt off. And then there was that whole thing where he kind of unintentionally leaked that Braun. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, what? Right. Tell me. I like this conspiracy. What? He leaked like what? LeBron's anti-vax that he hasn't gotten vaccinated. He did it in Germany, in German though. But um, wow, we're really we're really last year's Clippers. This is nuts. I didn't even I didn't even think of that. If that if yeah, like we like, lose, and bro, I mean, hey man. Point. If we lose this first round, like you you know how you know how we were all making Los Angeles Clipper drama behind the scenes videos last year? Bro, that might happen to us like the Lakers this year and it's going to suck. But oh, I can't wait. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you can't wait. Oh, oh how about Montrez right. Harrell's cryptic tweets? Like those Oh been, my god, yeah. Montrez Well you can't blame him. He's just not playing as much. Oh yeah, I don't blame him at all. I, I'm with him. Like I can't believe they took to like what the fourth quarter to play him last game. Like that's a he's joke. Played, he's only played in three games this series. Yeah, that's a I joke. I mean the right Clippers there. I mean it was like a similar situation with the Clippers last year. Like in no, my perception. It wasn't. No, it Hold on, wasn't. let me finish. Let me finish. Let me my finish. Bad, my bad, my bad. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. When the Clipper <laughs> when the Clippers went up against the Denver Nuggets, he was minus thirty against another good center in Nikola Jokic. So he was seen as a liability. I could understand that Montrez Harrell might be a liability against Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> <laughs> He gets like, Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky. Why, oh, why, why not just say DeAndre Aiden and <laughs> let it be done? Why would you say Frank Kaminsky? Because. Yeah. Because what? <laughs> because I don't think Montrezl Harrell's a good defender. At all. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, all you have to do is stand at the perimeter and just stand in front of him. <laughs> could hand Frank, I could guard Frank Kaminsky. All due like, respect to Frank. Like what? Frank Kaminsky is shooting 14% in the playoffs. 14%. Why did you mention his name? You didn't have to. He's averaging one point a game. Why did you say Frank Kaminsky? And you said him first. Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky. No, I said DeAndre, and DeAndre, no, I said DeAndre Aiden. Aiden. No, I said DeAndre Aiden and Frank Kaminsky. No, you didn't. And I'll bet you money i will bet money you said frank kaminsky and deandre yeah is frank kaminsky in your room right now <laughs> yeah, is, he, is he holding you hostage dude <laughs> uh. i mean what we still have a lot of series to finish up here so you know so we've got a lot to talk about guys make sure you are subscribed to the podcast make sure you go follow on apple subscribe on apple and spotify and all that and do we have any final words i need a drink <gasps>